1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Real Matters 3rd Quarter 2020 conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to one of your speakers today, Lynn Borger-Fisher. Thank you. Please go ahead, Madam.
0: Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Matters Financial Results Conference Call for the third quarter ended June 30, 2020. With me today are Real Matters Chief Executive Officer Jason Smith, President and Chief Operating Officer Brian Lang, and Chief Financial Officer Bill Herman. This morning, before market open, we issued a news release announcing our Q3 results for the three and nine months ended June 30, 2020. The release, accompanying slide presentation, as well as the financial statements and DNA, are posted to the investor relations section of our website at realmatters.com. During the call, we may make certain forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations of management with respect to our business and the industry in which we operate. These forward-looking statements are based on management's experience and perception of historical trends, current conditions, and expected future developments, as well as other factors that we believe to be appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. The forward-looking statements reflect management's belief based on information currently available and should not be read as a guarantee of the occurrence or timing of any future events, performance, or results. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and other factors that are difficult to predict, and that could cause actual results to differ materially from historical results or results anticipated by the forward-looking information. A comprehensive discussion of the factors which could cause results or events to differ from current expectations can be found in the risk factors section of the company's annual information form for the year ended September 30, 2019, And under the heading COVID-19 Impact on Risk Factors, in our MD&A for the 3 and 9 months ended June 30, 2020, each of which is available on CEDAR and on our website. As a reminder, we refer to non-GAAP measures in our slide presentation, including net revenue, net revenue margins, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted EBITDA margins. Non-GAAP measures are described in our MD&A for the 3 and 9 months ended June 30, 2020, where you will also find reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Jason.
2: Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call today. I will kick things off by discussing some of the highlights of our third quarter and our view of the market. I'll then hand it off to Brian, who will provide his remarks regarding the performance of our operations in Q3. Bill will then take a deeper dive into our segment financials and I'll wrap up the call with some brief remarks prior to taking your questions. Turning to slide three, we were very pleased with our third quarter results. As we outlined in the news release, both our U.S. appraisal and U.S. title segments posted record-adjusted EBITDA, and the performance of our U.S. title segment eclipsed U.S. appraisal for the first time. We generated consolidated adjusted EBITDA of $20.9 million, up from 10.4 million in the third quarter of 2019. To put this in perspective, our third quarter alone generated more than two-thirds of the consolidated adjusted EBITDA we reported in fiscal 2019. Our third quarter results continue to demonstrate the impact higher volumes have on our financial performance. Consolidated revenues increased 29.2% to 118.1 million. And we generated consolidated net revenue of $43.9 million, up 52.7% from $28.8 million in the third quarter of 2019. Our strong top-line growth was driven by the performance of our U.S. segments, offset in part by a 13.1% decline in our Canadian segment due to insurance inspection services being temporarily placed on hold by our clients as a result of COVID-19. We continued to outpace the U.S. mortgage market in terms of growth in the third quarter, recording market-adjusted growth of 6.1% in U.S. appraisal and 159.7% in U.S. title as a result of significant year-over-year increases in market share and new client additions. We also benefited from a very robust U.S. mortgage refinance origination market due to lower interest rates. We estimate that U.S. market volumes were up 2% in the third quarter of 2020 relative to the same quarter last year. Our estimate of the market change includes growth in the U.S. mortgage origination market of 10%, comprised of a decline in purchase volumes of 20%, while refinance volumes increased 68%. Our estimate of market volumes also include home equity and default activity, which we estimate declined a combined 40%. Home equity and default volumes comprised about a quarter of our total volume in the third quarter, and so the impact of changes in these volumes on our total market-adjusted growth calculation are not insignificant. As we continue to grow with new clients in the larger origination channel, we expect to see a continued decline in the proportion of our volumes that are derived from home equity and default. The impact of these volume declines are also reflected in the increase of our average U.S. appraisal transaction revenue for the period, as these transactions are priced materially lower than the large origination channel. U.S. appraisal market-adjusted volume growth for origination-only volume was 14.9% in the third quarter, and we estimate that average loan sizes for purchase and refinance transactions increased about 30% year-over-year. Our estimate of loan sizes is based on internal data, which reflects the composition of our customer base and will vary from external data points because of this, as large regulated lenders have the balance sheets to fund larger nonconforming mortgages. If we were to weight market-adjusted volume growth to reflect our actual third quarter volumes across origination, home equity, and default, our U.S. appraisal segment delivered market-adjusted growth of 20.1%. Third quarter U.S. title segment revenues rose 70.9% year over year, and we recorded market-adjusted volume growth of 159.7%. As you know, we calculate market-adjusted volume growth based on our estimate of the total market. However, our U.S. title segment almost exclusively services refinance activity. U.S. title market-adjusted volume growth for refinance-only volume was 57.2% in the third quarter. In line with the expectations we laid out during our last quarterly conference call, the effect of volumes carried over from March applications drove U.S. title closed volumes higher in the third quarter, buoyed by a very strong uh, market share growth, even factoring in constrained lender underwriting capacity. Sequential growth in U.S. appraisal volumes were slightly higher than our expectations as volume began to trend up toward the end of the third quarter in line with what was reported in the industry mortgage application data, as well as the steady downward trajectory of mortgage rates. Given that appraisal orders are placed at the start of the origination process, our revenues in this segment typically track applications more closely than the title business, which is more closely linked to closed or funded loans. With that, I'll turn it over to Brian. Brian?
3: Thank you, Jason. Sustained strengths in the U.S. refinance mortgage origination market continued to provide a healthy backdrop for our growth in the third quarter, particularly in our U.S. title business. Our results were also bolstered by significant year-over-year market share increases with our clients across both U.S. segments, including share gains across our Tier 1 lenders in U.S. appraisal. We launched three new clients during the third quarter in U.S. appraisal. We also set a new record for transaction volumes, topping the record we set in the second quarter this year. On a year-over-year basis, U.S. appraisal net revenue was up 21.5%, and net revenue margins increased 50 basis points to 24.4% as we serviced more higher-margin mortgage origination volumes, and fewer lower-margin home equity volumes. As Jason indicated earlier, we had very strong year-over-year market share growth in our U.S. title business in the third quarter. We went live with four new lenders, and we set a record for transaction volumes in U.S. title, surpassing last quarter's record by a healthy margin. On a year-over-year basis, U.S. title net revenue was up 98.8%, and net revenue margins increased to 64.9% from 55.8% in the third quarter of 2019. The increase in net revenue margin was a result of the early March surge in volumes that benefited our U.S. appraisal segment in the second quarter that translated into higher closings for our U.S. title segment in this quarter in line with what we highlighted during our last quarterly conference call. Our U.S. title sales pipeline is stronger than ever. The team continues to advance discussions with current and new potential clients as the heightened level of refinance activity is highlighting the need for lenders to add new vendors. Today's lower interest rate environment has caused lenders to experience scalability and performance challenges with their existing vendors. And we are starting to see the opportunity to accelerate the sales cycle with top 100 lender targets. There is also a consensus building that the interest rate environment will result in a sustained level of higher refinance activity over the next several quarters, and lenders are shoring up their operations ahead of this cycle. In our Canadian segment, third-quarter net revenue was down 36.5%, and net revenue margins decreased to 14.1% from 19.3% on a year-over-year basis. Canadian appraisal market slowed in April and May due to COVID, but had a meaningful recovery in June. Our Canadian segment results were also impacted by a decline in insurance inspection revenues due to our clients temporarily placing these transactions on hold during the quarter due to the pandemic. At this juncture, if regions throughout Canada continue to reopen, we expect to see a return to more normal markets by August. Overall, our team delivered an outstanding performance in the third quarter with the vast majority of our employees still working from home. We onboarded and trained 56 new employees during the third quarter, the majority of whom are dedicated to supporting the growth in our U.S. title business. From a network perspective, operations continue to run smoothly. The appraisers, notaries, abstractors, and other closing agents on our network are performing well despite having to navigate through this ongoing pandemic. We remain thankful for both the contribution of our employees and that of the independent professionals on our
4: network. And with that, I'll turn it over to Bill. Bill? Thank you, Brian. Uh, Turning to slides four and five for a closer look at our financial results. Consolidated revenues were up 29.2% in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 compared to the same quarter last year due to significant revenue growth in both our U.S. appraisal and U.S. title segments, which was partially offset by a modest decline in Canadian segment revenues. As Jason mentioned earlier, our Canadian insurance inspection business was challenged by COVID-19 as our clients temporarily placed their orders on hold during the pandemic. Revenues in our U.S. appraisal segment were up 18.8% year over year, while revenues in our U.S. title segment increased 70.9%. As previously mentioned, Canadian segment revenues were down 13.1% comparatively. In our U.S. appraisal segment, we serviced higher origination volumes due to market share gains, new client additions, and modestly higher market volumes compared to the third quarter of fiscal 2019. Our average revenue per unit increased in the third quarter as we continue to serve a greater proportion of higher priced origination volumes compared to lower priced home equity volumes. Transaction costs in our US appraisal segment increased 18% year over year, a reflection of the increased in increase in volume service. Net revenue of 17.7 million was up 21.5% in this segment and net revenue margins were up 50 basis points to 24.4%, consistent with the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Operating expenses in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 13.7% to 6.9 million, up from 6.1 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2019, the result of higher payroll and related costs due to higher volume service. This increase in payroll and related costs partially offset the increase in net revenue, resulting in a 27.1% improvement in adjusted EBITDA year-over-year. In addition, adjusted EBITDA margins in our U.S. appraisal segment increased to 61% in the third quarter of fiscal 2020, up from the 58.3% we posted in in the same quarter last year. Compared to the third quarter of fiscal 2019, we converted each incremental dollar of net revenue to adjusted EBITDA at a rate of 73% in our U.S. appraisal segment. Third quarter revenues in our US title segment increased 70.9% year over year, while transaction costs increased 35.6%, leading to an expansion in net revenue margins of 910 basis points. The increase in net revenue margins was due to higher closings in the quarter, which carried over from the surge in volumes that occurred in March that Brian discussed earlier. Additionally, net revenue margins for diversified revenues expanded due to service mix. U.S. title revenues attributable to reported volumes for this segment, meaning revenues generated from our mortgage origination clients, increased 161.2% to 31.7 million, up 19.6 million from the third quarter of fiscal 2019. And our average revenue <clears throat> decreased $11 per transaction due to geographic mix. Diversified revenues declined to 5.2 million from 7.8 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2019, due to lower commercial, search, and capital markets activity. Operating expenses in this segment increased to $12 million, which is up from $8.5 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2019. and adjusted EBITDA increased to $13.3 million from the $4.3 million we posted in the same quarter last year. Consistent with our performance over the last several quarters, the scalability of our US title operations was once again on display this quarter, and delivered a significant improvement to adjusted EBITDA year over year. Compared to the third quarter of fiscal 2019, we converted each incremental dollar of net revenue to adjusted EBITDA at a rate of 72%. In Canada, revenues decreased 13.1% to 6.6 million, and net revenue margins contracted by 520 basis points due to lower insurance inspection services performed as a result of COVID-19. Canadian segment operating expenses were $0.4 million in the third quarter this year, down 38.4% from the third quarter of fiscal 2019. And adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 59.8% from 58.6% in the same quarter last year as we temporarily redeployed certain employees from our insurance inspection business to support our growing U.S. title business. Putting this all together, third quarter consolidated net revenue increased 52.7%. 43.9 million, up from the 28.8 million we reported in the third quarter of fiscal 2019. On strong contributions from both our U.S. appraisal and U.S. title segments, as previously noted. Consolidated revenue, uh, net revenue margins increased 37.2% in the, in the third quarter of fiscal 2020, up from 31.4% in the third quarter of fiscal 2019 due in large part to a greater proportion of consolidated net revenue coming from our higher margin US title operation. As a result of our strong performance, consolidated adjusted EBITDA rose to 20.9 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2020, up from 10.4 million in the same quarter last year. And consolidated adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 47.6% in the third quarter of fiscal 2020 versus the 36.1% mark we posted in the third quarter of Fiscal 2019. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of 109.5 million, an increase of 20.4 million from the second quarter of Fiscal 2020, which means we placed 97% of each adjusted EBITDA dollar on our balance sheet. And while we continued to purchase shares under our normal course issuer bid, our purchase activity was modest this quarter. We bought approximately 64,000 shares at a cost of about $432,000 in the quarter. We continue to be measured and disciplined in our purchase of shares under our NCIB, focusing on the opportunity to create shareholder value over a longer period of time. And in the meantime, we're comfortable holding cash on our balance sheet. With that,
2: I'll turn it back over to Jason. Jason? Thanks, Bill. We delivered exceptional financial results in the third quarter setting new records for real matters in terms of transaction volumes and in terms of adjusted EBITDA. We continued to grow market share with our clients and we added new clients which allowed us to outperform the market, a long-standing operating principle for our company. Looking ahead we continue to believe that lender underwriting capacity remains the largest hurdle to industry growth. Once industry underwriting capacity grows even if U.S. 10-year Treasury rates increase to 1% to 1.2% and remain at those levels for the next few years, we believe this will translate into 30-year mortgage rates of no higher than 3% as spreads normalize. We believe this will create a large, multi-year market opportunity for real matters and provide a tailwind to our market share growth strategy. Longer term, through our annual planning process, we have already begun to set our sights on the next leg of growth for real matters, which will unlock opportunities on the data side of the business and on the purchase title side of the business. And we look forward to sharing those plans at an investor day this fall. With that, operator, we'd like to open it up for questions now.
1: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press pound 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Richard C. of National Bank Financial. Your line is open.
5: Yes, uh, thank you. So uh, obviously you guys are seeing quite a bit of momentum in title and close. I'm kind of curious to get uh, your impression in terms of when you think we'll start seeing uh, that scale into the Tier 1s here
2: yeah so good morning according to richard um it's jason the uh our title operations are, are as you can see performing very well um market share gains with the clients we'd already launched launching additional clients uh but what's incredible in this environment is the, the industry doesn't have uh, enough or the banks don't have enough uh, vendors to manage all their volumes so it's actually accelerating our sales cycle and including with our our tier one um, uh, prospects that we all have as clients on, on appraisal. So um, I would say that that's going very well. Um, but, you know, when I look out to 2021, even if we, uh, you know, were to launch one today, uh, they typically ramp up with, uh, you know, smaller market share in, in the earlier quarter. So I really think of the tier ones as, you know, very important for a longer-term strategy. Uh, and this is the perfect environment to, you know, uh, uh, close them and, and launch them. Uh, but really, it's these, uh, you know, lenders that we've launched, that we've been continuing to launch, that can move market share faster that I think are really going to impact uh, 2021 So, um, and and our Q4. So, you know, I, I think it's going very well. This is a perfect market for us to uh, be moving forward with our uh, our Tier 1s, and we'll keep you updated as that as that progresses. Okay. Uh,
5: when it comes to the title and close business, um, you know, so far a lot of discussion, I guess, in the past few years has really been on appraisals and yet uh the title mm-hmm. and close is certainly gaining its momentum. I uh, just wanted you maybe sort of share with us what the relative size of, of the title and close segment would be uh when it's compared to appraisal.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, because the the number of mortgages that can be refinanced or purchased um changes based on what rates are at. Uh really the TAM is 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 moving around. But you know, if we were to go back and look at a 2019 level, the way that we like to think about it is, is you know, uh, think of appraisal in the sort of the 2 to $3 billion range and then think of title in the $10 billion range. So uh, now that we're in a, a multi-year, you know, refi opportunity, um, that dramatically increases the title side of the operation, um, and, and at higher average dollar transaction volumes, it just keeps it will outproportion the growth in, in appraisal. So, we're, we're going to take a um, uh, the investor day this fall. We're going to do a uh, sort of longer term view of, of average TAM, TAM where we're at, so that you know investors can see where we are relative to you know appraisal opportunities going forward and, and title opportunities going forward. We've got lots of runway.
5: Okay, and just one last one for me. Um, you referred to this in your filing as well as your, your comments today in terms of the impact on COVID and the lockdowns. Like, had it not been for that, I'm kind of curious to see you know, what the incremental revenue would have been to what you report here. Would it be an extra $5 million, $10 million? Like, Just kind of maybe give us an order of magnitude of what that potential could have been.
2: Well, I think really the difference is that the banks would have been able to hire up faster and build their capacity And so the highest level that we've been able to see them grow historically is sort of at 20% per year. Um, So I think if you think about the banks having a productivity drag within COVID, right, we had some lenders that, uh, you know, uh, were less successful, sort of work from home. Um, So if we called it an industry-wide 5% drag on productivity, and then we took a quarter's, you know, uh, share of the 20% annualized, you know, hiring growth, I think that would give you a um, an idea in terms of what revenue would have otherwise been with, without um, uh, without the COVID uh, affecting capacity.
5: Okay, that's great. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Dan Chan of CD Securities. Your line is open.
5: Hi, good morning, guys. Um, you mentioned that the lender's ability to increase capacity is probably uh, the biggest uh, limiter to your growth here. So, what has been the lender's ability to to grow? Is it in line with the twenty percent you assume in your multi year opportunity for forecast?
2: Yeah, so so it, you know, I'll, I'll catch your your question, in your Morning Dan, in in a couple of ways. So um, when I look at Q3, Q three, Q three is uh, very difficult to take any any you know trend lines from, and you know why I say that is you can take two very large Tier one banks. Um for all you know uh, reasonable uh, markets and all reasonable markets, they would have very similar rates, very similar sort of growth in in, in originations, and yet we saw two very large tier one banks li- have their refi rates a hundred basis points apart. If we went down to tier two banks, we actually saw you know some lenders that didn't even have laptops for uh, their employees, so they really had it, you know uh, an outside reduction in their productivity. And then, you know, yet another service lender, you know, would have been absolutely fine. So when, when I sum all that up, really, when you look under the data, it doesn't matter if it's a large bank or a small bank, a regulated bank or a non-bank. It was very difficult to take that, uh, that streamlined uh, approach. When we look at the MBA application index, you know, I think, you know, it's indicative of sort of single-digit growth within the overall industry in the quarter, Purchase was down significantly, obviously, refi was up significantly, but those app numbers don't include significant dec- declines in Heloc and default. So you know some banks were able to move origination um, uh, underwriting staff from their Heloc business over to bolster that. Others, if they didn't have it, weren't able to do that. so um, and then you had some monoline lenders that you know are more focused on refi were able to just crank up staff within this environment because they were perfectly prepared for it. so very difficult to sort of say that there was a standardized trend across the industry, but, you know, I think, um, uh, we're, COVID definitely played on, on, on the productivity and and didn't allow the, uh, the banks to hire and and expand their, their staff as a whole as much as we would have liked. So I still think we need to see out of COVID here. I think we're then looking for a, a unwind of that productivity drop and then a return to strong hiring. So, Um, you know, you're really, it's difficult to to project, Uh, we've had parts of the US sort of revert back more into lockdown stage. So, you know, we're we're being cautious in terms of the capacity growth within the uh, within the short term, the next couple of quarters, but we absolutely believe that once we're out this and into 2021, we're going to see that, you know, 20% annual sort of capacity growth um, uh, come back into play.
5: That's helpful. Thanks. And what is the pricing environment then like, given the supply constraints here? And, and what's your ability to increase net revenue margins in this high demand environment?
2: Yeah. So um, typically, as we get more volume, we're able to drive enhanced uh, net revenue margins in um, uh, our appraisal and our, and our title business. That's sort of how scale works in the platform. Um, but when we have you know busier markets, you have a number of things moving around. You have um, uh, pricing, uh, that the lenders are willing to pay for an appraisal uh, will uh, go up. Uh, we obviously, that, that sort of pressure or that price inflation comes down to the appraisers as well. And I wouldn't say that it translates into, you know, an improvement of our net revenue margins, because we're very focused on that sort of market share over the long run. But you know, we can move our pricing through to the lenders. We're thoughtful in terms of how we do it with the lenders. So I'd say it's very neutral. Um, I think that, you know, our ability to, when we look at, you know, appraisal net revenue margins, I think that they'll be, you know, uh, steady in this in the zone. And then as we get into 2021, we'll continue to see that increase in, um, in net revenue margins on track with um, uh, our, our view of doubling volumes from 2018 levels.
5: Okay, and then last one for me. You now have over $100 million of cash. I know you're doing share buybacks, but uh, your, your cash flow far exceeds those. Any thoughts on how you'd like to deploy that capital? Yeah, so uh,
2: we uh, uh, do like uh, uh, share buybacks uh, as a way to return um, uh, cash to shareholders. Um, we're very disciplined in our approach there, and we take a longer-term view of, of executing on that. Um, and in the interim, you know, we're happy to hold cash. Um, we will always maintain a strong balance sheet, given who our clients are, um, and uh, that is a, you know, being national, being strong, being very, very uh, strong financially uh, is very appealing uh, to, to you know, the big regulated banks. And there's very few players who are in that our position. So, um, I, I think as we think through the next five years and we think about our growth and our move into some other areas. That will alter uh, our capital allocation strategy, and we're going to lay that out more uh, fully this fall at our investor day. Great, thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Tenos Mishopoulos of BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open.
6: Hi, good morning. Um, I apologize if I missed this. Can you clarify why the um, revenue per transaction for title was lower than typical? Uh, Was that a mixed dynamic? Was that related to diversified
4: being lower?
2: Sure. I'll turn that over to Bill. Bill?
0: Yeah.
4: Thanks, Jason. So, uh, Thanos, good morning. Uh, So, you know, not not, – I think we've seen this in a number of quarters. It's really just around geographic mix. It has nothing to do with diversified because diversified isn't in the – and the volume numbers that we're presenting in our MDNA and and obviously we're separating out uh, mortgage origination activity by way of revenue as well. So you have an eleven dollar decline, and it's really a geographic mix is, is the root of it.
6: Okay. Um, more broadly, in terms of the diversified, uh, it was down this quarter. Um, how should we think about that? Um, are you focusing on kind of
2: emphasizing that, or
6: will you sort of making a base, maybe at some other levels for the next while?
2: Yeah, so fantastic question, uh, Thanos. Um, The diversified business has had healthy margins, you know, good clients around it. But, you know, it's not a market segment in terms of, you know, commercial or capital markets that we see significant TAM or growth opportunities in. So, you know, we've been very thoughtful through how we've been integrating our um, title business after the acquisition to really align it to where the growth opportunities are. And, and that's just simply on the centralized, you know, refi title and eventually purchase side of the business. And so um, we're, we're very thoughtful that if we have an opportunity to take capacity and move it from, you know, from a, a small long-term CAM opportunity to, you know, work and drive it with fantastic clients, that's what we're going to do. So, you know, I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're happy with the business in its current state. You know, as we get into 2021 and we see, you know, uh, that productivity uh, capacity growth within banks, um, we're also going to be thoughtful if we have that opportunity to migrate that capacity over to um, our core CT business. We will absolutely do that because that's the right thing to do for the long run.
6: And um, how, how should we think about um, uh, operating margins and title over the next few quarters? I mean, on the one hand, uh, I think it's a little bit subscale. On the other hand, um, as you uh, bring on new customers, you might have some ramp costs. So how, how do you think those dynamics kind of play out?
2: I'll turn that over to Bill. Bill?
4: Sure. I think, uh, you know, we, we've clearly demonstrated that we're able to uh, to leverage our operations. We, we've done it in a number of quarters here in a row, and, um, you know, again, I think in the in the very short term, I suspect you'll, you'll probably see you know uh, similar margin profiles in our in our business. Um, as we think longer term, I think you know I, I think it's the right thing for me to say that would we'll give you give you guys some perspective on how we're thinking about our business on a longer term basis, five years out at our investor day. So, I would say uh, more of the same in the short term, but uh, stay tuned for the longer term vision. Great, thanks. How about the plan?
1: Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of Robert Young of Canical Genuity. The line is open.
6: Hi, good morning. Um, you said earlier that uh, there's a very strong sales pipeline. The environment is highlighting the need for new vendors. Um, I assume uh, some of the diver- uh, the factors that uh, Real Matters has uh, competitive against other providers, um, and I think you said there's an accelerating sales cycle, but you've also said that uh, lenders are grappling with volumes and they really aren't willing to uh, make significant changes now. And um, you've won some three customers in appraisal, four in title, and so is, is something changed in that dynamic? Are or, or, are you, do you see an opportunity to win customers in the near-term, or is that still a longer-term opportunity?
2: Sure. Uh, and good morning, Rob. Uh, so uh, I think the issue in Q3 is that the banks were so much focused on the volume, they were really more focused on their capacity challenges, i.e. we even had lenders that didn't have laptops and couldn't fail over. So I think it was that became their number-one priority, um And I think, as they move out of that and they get that under control here, um, then I think adding new vendors becomes something that 's just just critical and actually launching them so because of the volume that 's coming so i you know I expect in the next quarter that we will have uh, you know very um, healthy new client launches um, of larger and larger sizes. So I I do think that, you know, they're seeing the volume problem long term. They're going to have to do vendor, uh, add add new vendors. And and the bigger they are, there's so few of us that are at national scale. So um, I I think that's inevitable. But I think in in Q3 particularly, everybody was still, you know, dealing with um, their capacity challenges and their failover to remote work environments.
6: Okay. And so right now you're in the middle of a very – strong refi surge and so that's not going to last forever but you look beyond that Mm -hmm. um, there's an opportunity to add customers that might offset uh, any weakness in the
2: um, you know mortgage origination volume
6: over the next several years is that a good way to think
2: of it exactly a great way to think about it so we are very focused on what we're, we're calling our land and expand opportunity. So, you know, these are these are markets where clients that may have been very difficult to try to get to even go through the RFI, RFP process and go through an audit and go through that whole expense which is very expensive to lender just to try you out. These are environments where they have no choice but to do it. And we would, our, our goal is to land as many of them as we possibly can over the next two to three years, such that as the inevitable refi, uh, volumes come down, then uh, we're able to offset that, as you said, with market share gains. Of course, you know, we're, we, we're also, you know, focused on the purchase title business long term as well as the the uh, uh, move into data, which we're, we're going to um, uh, lay out in greater detail uh, this fall at Investor Day.
0: Okay. Maybe last
6: thing, I, I might have missed it, but I didn't see anywhere in any of the materials uh, any Data on the balanced scorecard ratings, usually give an update there, was there any change there given the volume
2: we continue to rank at the uh top of scorecards uh for our our lender base. I think you know uh, our team did a phenomenal job uh, managing through uh you know uh, where were lenders going to uh, start using um, desktop appraisals, buy an appraiser, uh, you know, based on Fannie's allowance or 10.04s and what happens to quality control under that, et cetera. So I think we were top to I think we accelerated extremely well in the quarter um, uh, and uh, and remain at the top of those scorecards. Okay. Last question
6: for me, just to clarify it. Uh, you've talked about this in the past, the lag on title. Uh, maybe if you could just clarify the the dynamic here this quarter, you know, the leg benefited this quarter, but is there any leg that'll benefit Q4 and Q1 going forward from the appraisal volume you saw, um, and application volume you saw this quarter? And I'll pass the
4: line. Bill? Uh, Thanks, Rob, and thanks, Jason. So this quarter, as you know, we we intimated coming out of our last quarter, we obviously had a quite a surge of volumes in, in the March timeframe that obviously benefited our appraisal business, uh, most most notably in our Q2 timeframe, and that would ultimately find its way into uh, our Q3 title revenues. And I think that's exactly what happened here: is that that flow of volume found its way in, and we were able to close those volumes in the quarter. So. In this quarter, when I look at uh, title margins in particular with its you know almost 65% number um, in the quarter, it really is a function of the proportion of, of closings that we were, we were able to undertake in the quarter relative to the inflow of those volumes. Because as you know, as the volume comes in the door, we typically incur an expense and we don't recognize that revenue until you know almost 45 days pass. So it really was the proportion of closings that we were able to, uh, to undertake this quarter relative to the inflow of volumes that caused that uh, 64% to present. I think, you know, it probably moderates a little bit uh, from there as we think forward, uh, but that's uh, certainly a reflection of what happened in the quarter. Hopefully that's helpful. Okay, thank you.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back over to Mr. Jason Smith for closing remarks.
2: Thank you, operator. That wraps up uh, things for us here today. Thank you all for joining our call.